listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm glad to be here. Um, yeah, today I'm going to be talking about grief, and um, I know that's a really exciting topic for a lot of people. Um, hopefully it'll be good grief. Bad dad joke. See, I'm right there with you. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I want to talk to you just about that topic, and I felt like that was just a really good introduction to what I want to uh, share with you today, um, because there's so many different things that we go through in our life that can cause us to have grief or experience grief. And um, I just wanted to, before I really get into everything, I just want to say thank you, Robbie, for allowing me to share, especially on this topic, because so often in church settings, and I don't know if what your background is, uh, mine's more on the Pentecostal side, and so there's a lot of um, rhetoric that goes on, especially when you're talking about mental or emotional things that people are going through, um, that it's like, well, let's overcome that. Let's just, you know, uh, let's, let's deny the enemy. Like the, there, you have some sort of spiritual attack going on. Or um, that maybe your faith is not strong enough. And so we kind of approach our mental and emotional issues sometimes as a spiritual issue. And to, to approach your mental and emotional pain as a spiritual issue, you're, you're actually treating the wrong thing. You know, because sometimes it's really in the way that we're approaching things mentally that really needs to work. It doesn't, you don't necessarily need more prayer. You know, you're praying, you're, you have those things going on. What you really need is someone to comfort you if you're experiencing emotional pain. And so it's important for us to be able to take care of what's actually going on and what we really need our help with. Now, it doesn't mean that just because it's a mental or emotional pain that we're experiencing that, our, that uh, God doesn't help us spiritually. He does. But in that, what we really need to understand is that I'm going through something and I need, I need comfort. I need help. And I, and I need help emotionally and I need help mentally here. And so I think it's really important to be able to do that. Just as if you were to break your leg, we wouldn't consider that to be a spiritual problem. We would consider that to be a physical problem. And you'd go to the doctor and you'd probably get your leg set right. And so it's the same thing with our mental and emotional state. We need to take care of those things and, and give those parts of us, um, uh, the, the care that they deserve. And, um, so I just wanted to thank you for that because there's not a whole lot of recognition that uh, people give sometimes in churches towards mental and emotional things that we might be going through. And, um, and I really do appreciate that. On the other hand, I am a little nervous because it's the first time and I preached for 12 years. I don't think I ever preached in front of a biblical scholar. So, <laughs> so, um, uh, if I'm getting way off topic, you know, or way off, just uh, give me eyes like this, like that's not, don't, don't shake your head, just give me those eyes and I'll know. I need to back out of that one really quick. Um, so, but, but today, talking about grief, the importance of it, and especially with what we're going through this year, 2020 has been a difficult year for a lot of people in a lot of different ways, uh, especially when uh, COVID um, really altered the way that we did our lives. So how many of you have said that it would, would agree that you've had to make some adjustments this year? 
major changes, right? The way you do work, the way you do life, the way you hang out with friends, everything has changed. And when you're going through major changes in life, what we don't realize sometimes is that we could be going through something like, I think back to the, the kids that graduated high school in 2020 and they weren't even able to have their graduation ceremony. Um, those things that were like really important for us, those milestones, not really able to, uh, to experience the, the joy of those things. Uh, thinking about the, the fact that you're not able to go to your favorite restaurant. Maybe you're not able to go to work the way that you were before. Maybe you're not being able to see your friends the way that you were able to see them before. Maybe you're not able to, to hang out with people the way that you were before. Uh, even, being able, even being at work at home. You know, for some people, that's a great thing. It's like, wow, I get to wake up and roll out of my bed in my pajamas and just start working and I don't have to worry about getting ready. I don't have to fight traffic. But then after a while, you're doing your work while you're at home and it's hard to take away the stress of work because you're at home. And then those two things, you don't get that gap of time in between work and home. And that makes it really difficult. And so there can be all different kinds of things that you deal with because there's so much changes that are going on, you may not be able to go to the same restaurant that you like to go to. Maybe have lost your opportunity to do the hobbies, uh, people that weren't able to work out and things like that. Um, so much has changed. And, and sometimes we don't even realize that we could be grieving those losses. It doesn't necessarily have to be the loss of a loved one. It doesn't have to be a loss of... of um, someone that you love that you were really close with. It can be that loss of routine. It can be that loss of the things that you enjoyed. It might be a loss of, of those friendships that you had. Sometimes when you, fall, you get disconnected, sometimes people have lost jobs during this, uh, this time. And losing a job is like losing your identity, losing who you were, losing income. So much of that uh, ends up becoming a, a grief for us. And so... I want to talk about that and then maybe how we approach it. Because Helen Keller said that the only way through to the other side is the only way to the other side is through. And so you have to go through it. We don't want to skip it. We don't want to go around it. We don't want to silver line it. We don't want to just make it um, better. We want to actually understand, validate it and go through it. And so sometimes when we're going through grief and we're experiencing difficulties, what, it's, what it does for us is that it opens our hearts and our minds to, be, to have more grace towards other people that are going through the same things we are. And so whenever you're, you're able to understand what someone has experienced, you're able to, because of your own experiences, you're able to be there for them in a way that they wouldn't normally expect. This is why things like um, support groups are so important because you have a group of people who are experiencing similar situations and they're not fixing each other. They're just finding that there's something that's common, that what they're experiencing is not odd or out of the, out of the, out of the um, realm of possibility for other people, even the way that they're going through it and experiencing it, the emotions that they're feeling, uh, the way that they're perceiving it. All of that becomes um, common. And all of a sudden, because you're not the person on the outside, you're, you lose that isolation and now you have comfort because there's other people that are experiencing that same thing. Um, for me, when I was um, a pastor, I began to really be drawn towards people who were grieving. 
it was something that I really actually enjoyed was dealing with families and people that were experiencing grief. Um, I want to share a couple of experiences that I had with it. But when I really began to know that I, like grief was my thing, was um, one night, it was just before Thanksgiving. Uh, it was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And one of the people at my church, her mom was on her way to her church. And um, she went to pass somebody. She got into a head-on collision and died. And so um, I remember going over there after she got the news and went to her house to visit her. And um, she just looked at me when I got in the door and she goes, where is your blanking God now? And I thought, first I was like, that's a little embarrassing. You walk in and you're the pastor and this is what they say. But I just thought that was the most real any Christian has ever been with me. And that raw emotion where she was in so much pain, it was like, this is just going to come out. I'm just going to say it. This is who I am. This is what I'm experiencing right now. And I don't care how you interpret what I'm about to say. That real raw emotion was like all the filters went away. There wasn't, you know, we try to explain it a lot of times like, oh, well, God has a plan. God has a purpose. God has a reason. You know, God's going to be with you. Those kind of things. It wasn't any of that. It was Where's your God now? And that emotion, it really just kind of uh, put me in this trajectory where I thought, that's what I want to be. I don't know where I'm going to be or what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, but I want to be around people who are real, who are able to experience and say what they're experiencing and what they're going through. And so that moment when I saw that and, and I experienced that, it was like, there's, there's this opportunity that we have. If we can be real and raw and honest about what we're going through, about what we're experiencing, and not hold back, there's opportunity for us to really have some growth and some healing. I had two experiences with uh, grief myself. Um, the first one that I experienced was my dad um, when he passed away. Um, I was... Uh, I was actually getting prepared for a thing that we were doing. Uh, it was a Friday night service that we were having at my church, and um, I was getting ready for that. And I went over to um, my, well, actually, we were living at my parents' house at that time because our house was being built um, just, that, just behind their property. And so um, while our house was being built, um, we were staying there, and I went to go get my dad because I was like, hey, we're, the church is uh, meeting here in just a little while. And... Um, couldn't find him. He wasn't responding. I went outside and I found him just laying face down on the ground. And, um, and so I, I ran over and I flipped him over and called 911, started doing CPR and um, couldn't do anything about it. I'm going to say that one day without tearing up, but it's okay because this is what you do whenever you're experiencing grief. And so um, uh, I, I remember like, just going through that for a really long time. And one thing I didn't do was I didn't talk to anyone. I never really talked to anybody about that because as a pastor, you don't have time. There's people that need you. And so I just kind of went right into it and just kept going about life and doing my thing. And I, I within a month, was preaching somebody else's dad's funeral. And that was just awful. It was an awful, awful experience for me to be doing someone else's funeral, but I just 
put it to the back and just kept going because people needed me. This person just lost their dad. They need me. And so I just kept going. And um, I ended up uh, really from that time on going into really deep depression and anxiety and just overwhelming. I mean, I would be preaching and, you know, not really like overly excited or anything. And I had an Apple watch at the time. I don't have one now, but um, my heart rate would be up like 140. And I'm, I don't even know how I preached through that. But it was because of the anxiety I was experiencing and the depression I was feeling. And I was experiencing this like all the time and I couldn't get away from it. I couldn't get it out of my head. And things got very, very dark for me. And um, I decided to go back to school and uh, get my master's degree in social work. And I was sitting in class and we have a, our, our dean of our school is a grief expert. And she came in and she was speaking one day just about grief. And so she started to talk about uh, her aunt. And that was really her, most, uh, her, her closest experience with grief at that time. And she talked about how she had passed away. And then she started talking about they did CPR on her. And she said it was an awful experience because I heard the ribs crack. And man, that just brought me right back to that moment with my dad because that's exactly what I heard too. And I just started crying. And I hadn't really cried, I hadn't dealt with anything. And for probably about three weeks, I cried every single day, just processing all that, coming to the realization of all the emotions that I was experiencing, that I was blaming myself. And I realized now that's a trauma response. Um, and, and realizing that, that the guilt and the, the blame that I put on myself was like, I was, I was praying for my dad and my dad wouldn't come back to life and I was doing the CPR and for some reason it came to my mind like he didn't want to come back because you hurt him. And I know that that's, that's a weird thought process to have but in my mind it was still blaming myself. And so often we do that with, we, we tend to look back and we put guilt on ourselves for things that happen that we shouldn't really be doing. We read back into situations, we think, well, I could have done this, or what if I would have done that? And what if I would have just did this? What if I were a better friend? What if I were a better son? What if I were... And we go back into that mold and we start blaming ourselves for things. And those are things that we need to be able to get away from. And the thing is, like when we experience grief and we don't talk about it, we don't share it, we have no one we can talk to with, with it. And we, we have no one we can actually just spend some time with, and just let it out. Just have that empathetic person that listens to us. What ends up happening is it's going to go somewhere. If you don't make room for your grief now, you're going to be making room for depression and anxiety later. We've got to be able to say it. We've got to be able to share it. We have to be able to go give an outlet to somebody. Um, the other uh, experience I had with grief was Last year, um, when we, it was 2019, August 2019, um, we, um, after 12 years of ministry, me and my wife, um, resigned from our position. And it wasn't just 12 years of ministry, we were youth pastors before that, so pretty much my entire adult life has been in some form or fashion related to being a pastor, being in ministry. My entire identity was wrapped up in that. Even though it was my choice and my decision, um, when you leave that and you walk away from that identity, 
you feel like, you have, you, who am I now? Where am I? What, what do I contribute to this life? And you have, uh, we lost all of our relationships, it seems like. There was a very few friends that kind of stuck with us, but we were just on our own. And um, it was very, very devastating. It's really hard to lose your career, then lose your friends, and then lose your identity. It's all like, what, who am I? And um, going through that was really, really difficult, far more difficult than what I could really express. But I remember just uh, being very, very sad, but then also experiencing a lot of anger and uh, being angry all the time, just uh, at nighttime, sometimes not even able to go to sleep at night because I was just so angry. And I would come to work and I'm angry and I'm, you know, hurting and I'm sad. And, you know, what was really good about that for me at that time was going through all of it. I had a friend that I could go to at work. He's here today and just listen to me and, and talk with me and just, you know, I can guarantee you I did not sound very pastoral at the time. I probably didn't even sound very Christian most of the time, but there was a safe place for me to actually process what I was going through, to be able to say those things that, are, that make you sound like you're crazy, right? But being able to share that with someone that wasn't judging me and that was just listening to me. I had a uh, um, chaplain that we worked with and chaplains are wonderful and, and he would just pray with me and, and just listen to me and, and I needed that. I don't know if I would have really gotten through that very well if it wasn't for them. Um, but, but I did, and, and I'm thankful for their, their love and their kindness and their ability to just listen and just be there, not trying to offer solutions, not trying to say, well, if you do this, or oh, I know this is how I've done it before, this is how I went through it. None of those kind of things. It's just listening, just being there. And that's what I want to encourage us to do today. Um, I have the, the five stages of grief I just wanted to share with you really quickly, and we can put that up here. Um, this was done by Elizabeth uh, Kubler-Ross, she was actually interviewing several people or a multitude of people basically on her research on the state uh, on grief, what people normally experience during times of grief. And she came up with these, the five stages of grief, which is denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Um, coincidentally, as a Florida Gator football fan, I go through all of these every single Saturday when our defense takes the field. I'm just, especially the bargaining one. I'm like, Lord, if you'll just let them get off the field without them scoring a touchdown, then the other team scoring a touchdown. You know. But these are the five stages of grief that she, that, that she developed. Now, um, they are not, the, the five stages of grief, we want to understand this, that this is not some way of that you just go through it. I, well, I'm in the denial phase. Well, next I'll be in anger. And then once I'm done with anger, then I'll go to bargaining. Then I'll go to depression. Then I'll go to acceptance. Then I'm done, right? That is not how grief works. These are just like five things that are common to it. And these are not even the full spectrum of what you go through in grief. But these are very common stages. And the reason why I like to share this with you is because whenever you uh, understand what you're going through, what you're experiencing is normal, that these are normal reactions that people have to their grief, then it kind of takes you out of your isolation because you realize other people experience this in the same way. And sometimes it's like with anger, we, we don't really realize sometimes that anger, like it took me a really long time to realize I was grieving because I was angry. You know, I would talk to people because I'm a, 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 hospice, a hospice social worker I would talk with people who are grieving, and one of the things that I'd hear all the time is, I'm just angry, right? 
And I would talk to people about that and say, well, anger is part of the grieving process. And I didn't realize. And then one day I'm like getting back into my car and I'm angry and I'm like, oh, this is grief. And all of a sudden it just made it so much easier for me to kind of get through it. I knew what I was going through at that point. And so um, just realizing and understanding what you're going through, understanding that, that a lot of times you go through denial. Um, I had a person one time that, uh, and, and this was an example of denial, was for over a year, this person had lost their spouse. And um, this person uh, for this whole year was angry, um, was, was uh, mostly anger was what, was what I would see with him. But uh, there was also depression that was involved. But uh, this person ended up coming to, to uh, the group one day and he um, just stopped and looked and said, you know what? I realized they're never coming back. That was after a year. And that moment, that's like when that, you kind of get over here to acceptance and it's like, okay, I understand. This, this, is, this is the way life is now. It's changed. And it's never going to be the same as it was before. And so um, denial is something that can be very real for us. Anger is something that's very real for us. Bargaining, just trying to make sense of what has happened. Trying to figure out what's going, what, just what, how do I make sense of what's happening to me? What, how do I make sense of what's happened to my loved one? And then um, depression, obviously that's that sad, sadness and the overwhelming just kind of staying with you, not being able to get through that. And then there's also um, finally acceptance where it's like, okay, we accept this. Um, but, uh, but to go through that, you're going through the stages and the only way to the other side is through. The first thing that I want to point out is this. Go to Esther chapter four, one through three, if you have your Bibles or if you have your iPhone or if you can just read along with me here. Um, the first thing that, that's really important for us to do is just acknowledge it. Acknowledge your grief. Acknowledge what's happening and what's going on. It says in Esther 4, 1 through 3, it says, When Mordecai learned all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the midst of the city and wailed loudly and bitterly. He went as far as the king's gate, for no one was to enter the king's gate clothed in sackcloth, in each and every province where the command and decree of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping, and wailing, and many lay on sackcloth and ashes. How many of you know what the word grief means? It means to tear, right? And so he's, he's tore his clothes, he's grieving. And so to, to be torn up, that's, that's really what grief means. And I think this is really important here because this is something that we don't really do in our culture. See, in, in those days, when something terrible happened, when this horrible news comes, and, and Mordecai understands what's happening, and it's like, all of a sudden, he makes room for his grief. This is something that we don't do a really good job of here in our culture, is that we are so driven towards good times, we're so driven towards making things better that we don't make time for the grief that we actually are experiencing. And you know what they did? This is like, it's not only are we going to grieve, we're going to make room for it. We put on sackcloth and ashes and we go out and we, we make 
we make it known that there's something that we're going to grieve about. In our culture, it's more like when someone dies, when someone that we love has died, we don't even call it a funeral anymore. We call it a celebration of life. It's like we got to get back to the good times because we don't want to spend too much time in the bad times. Because we don't want to be too familiar with our pain because we want to be more familiar with the good times. And so what you have with people that are grieving so often is that they feel like they can't even say anything because they're hurting, they're dying on the inside. Something bad has happened and it's not being recognized. Something bad has happened and you need to make room for that and we need to legitimize that and say, yes, it's okay to wear black for a while. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be hurting right now because you've lost someone that was very special to you. You've lost something that was key in your life. You've lost something that meant something. And we need to take a little while to just step back, recognize what you're going through and give you space to grieve. We all deserve that opportunity to, to grieve what we've lost. And we, we try to gloss over that. We try to make it something where we don't make room for our grief. And when we don't make room for our grief, we make room for other things. And so what we need to be able to do is just say, go ahead and cry. Go ahead. What you're experiencing is really, really bad. And, and I don't have the right words to say right now. And that's okay that you don't have the right words to say right now because you don't have the right words to say. There's not a single one of us in this room that has the right words to say. Because your job when somebody is grieving is not to make it better. Your job is just to listen and love. You're, you're not going to be able to say that magic phrase that just makes people feel better. But you can stand there and you can be with them and you can sit with them and you can cry with them. And you can show them that love and that compassion, that connection to them. And they can begin to be part of that healing process. You can be part of someone's healing process just by simply being there for them. Just by listening, not trying to figure it all out. Um, and I know a lot of times we, we feel like uh, really uncomfortable. How many people are like, like if someone had a loved one that died and here we are a month later, how many of you like to just go up to that person and say, how are you doing with the loss of your spouse? It's uncomfortable, isn't it? To say, yeah, uh, how, how are things going for you? What do we, we try to avoid it, don't we? It's more like, let's talk about other things. Let me talk about something that'll make you happy because what's the big thing? I don't want to make you cry. Let me just tell you something. When someone's grieving, you don't have to worry about making them cry. They were going to cry whether you said something or not. But when you actually say to them, how are you doing? And they cry, all you did was give them permission and let your, yourself be a safe place for that person. Because you're not afraid of their negative emotion. You're not afraid of the fact that they're going to say something that's going to cause them to cry. That's okay. Just be there for them. Let them cry. Let them know that, hey, your loved one was a special person. And I, like to, and, and I know that you're grieving deeply because you love them deeply. And when you can listen to them and you can care for them and just let them say the things that they need to say, the things that are on their mind. One of the things that I deal with with people that are, that are going through grief is no one understands and no one cares. And so they just, you know, lie about certain things or 
they, they feel like no one really cares and no one wants to hear what I have to say. No one wants to hear what, what I'm going through. Don't let people go through it alone. Ask them how they're doing. I think the people in the, in the old days had it right. When something bad happens, show it. Put on the sackcloth and ashes. It's okay to go ahead and express your grief. They made room for it in their culture. The other thing that, that's really important for us is not only recognizing it and not only saying it and, and sharing it um, and making room for it, but also to, to realize it's not about making it better. One of the things that um, we experience uh, in the church culture a lot more than, than, um, than other places, I think, anyway, is this need to, um, to just overcome. Like I know we said this earlier, um, but let's praise him through the storm, right? Let's praise God through the storm. Like there's this big push for that. And sometimes when you're grieving, you don't feel like praising. And I can tell you this, God is not going to be offended that you're not praising him when you're going through hell. That's okay. God doesn't have an incessant need for that. Because what God likes to do sometimes, because he's your father, is he likes to comfort you in the pain. And sometimes whenever you're feeling broken and you feel like you have no answers, it's just okay to not be okay. It's okay to be overwhelmed. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to feel those feelings of depression. It's okay to be that because God loves you and he cares for you. Holy Spirit's role is for our comfort. And so it's okay to go ahead and, and experience that and go through it with God. In Psalms chapter 88, I just want to read that to you. And I'm sorry, I think I'm like running out of time here. Um, but Psalms 88, if you, um, let me get that. I love the way this reads, just because it's, it's very real. It says, O Lord, the God of my salvation, I've cried out by day and in the night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry, for my soul has had enough troubles and my life has drawn near to Sheol. I am reckoned among those who go down to the pit. I've become like a man without strength, forsaken among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more. And they, and they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the, in the lowest pit, in the dark places, in the depths. Your wrath has rested upon me, and you have afflicted me with all your waves, Selah. You have uh, um, removed my acquaintances far from me. You have made me an object of loathing to them. I am shut up and cannot go out. My eye has wasted away because of the affliction. I have called upon you every day, O Lord. I have spread out my hands to you. Will you perform wonders for the dead? Will the departed spirit rise and praise you? Will your loving kindness be declared in the grave, your faithfulness in Abaddon? Will you, your wonders be made known in the darkness and your righteousness in the land of, the, of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, have cried out to you for help. And in the morning, my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you reject my soul? Why do you hide your face from me? I was afflicted and about to die from my youth on. I suffer your tears. I am overcome. Your burning anger has passed over me. Your tears have destroyed me. They have surrounded me like water all day long. They have encompassed me. Altogether, you have removed lover and friend. Far from me, my acquaintances are in darkness. Praise the Lord. All right? There's no upside on that, is there? Like, this is just, this is just a lament. This is just grief. And it's in your Bible. And it's okay. Because sometimes that's what we're feeling. 
there doesn't have to be that upside to it. There doesn't have to be the silver lining. It's just, this is what I'm experiencing, God. This is what I'm going through. And guess what? God's okay with it because God loves you. God cares about you. God cares about what you're going through. And, and this, this uh, psalm just explains that so well for me. It was like when I was reading that, when, when I was going through grief, when I went through depression, I, I went to verses like this and scriptures like this where I just seemed to connect because it's like, that's where I am. That's what I'm experiencing. That's how I feel. Like, I, I don't feel like God's here right now. And, and this, is, this is how scripture can help us just kind of go through those really difficult and painful times. The last thing I wanted to talk about is how Jesus is with us. If you'll go to John chapter 11, uh, and we'll start in verse 1. John chapter 11, the gospel. Obviously, the other John doesn't have that. Um, It says, uh, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment, and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, uh, he who, uh, who you love is sick. But then Jesus heard this. He said, this sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go up to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going uh, there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. He said, uh, then he, this he said, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may wake him up. The disciples then said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of literal sleep. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Therefore Thomas, who is called Didymus, said to, to his fellow disciples, let us also go so that we may die with him. So, um, you know, they're about to go through Judea, and I'm, I'm thinking, really, um, Thomas, when he says that, is like, okay, we're just going to get killed on our way there. Those people are angry with us. Um, but Jesus, is, he just says something to him, and I think this is really important. And Jesus just looks at him and says plainly, Lazarus is dead. Jesus doesn't go on to say, he's dead, but we're going to resurrect him, right? He just says he's dead. This is your friend, and your friend has died. And then um, by the time he gets there, I don't know the duration of time, um, but by the time he gets there, Lazarus has already been dead four days. What I do understand about this is that when Jesus makes the announcement to his friends, he says that Lazarus is dead. This is something that I find really interesting about Jesus' character is that when he says that he's dead, he doesn't offer the silver lining. He just walks with them in their grief. I just got bad news, and Jesus is just going to walk with me in my bad news. And he doesn't, he doesn't change their perspective. He doesn't try to go back and say, you know how I just said, you know, we're going to wake him up. 
He doesn't do that. He just says, Lazarus is dead. And from all we know, they're walking, they're on their way, and in that time, Jesus is just with them with this realization that their friend is dead. Then Jesus comes by and he talks with uh, Martha. And then um, he also talks with Mary when he gets there because Martha and Mary are his sisters. Um, And then it says, uh, go to verse 32, the same chapter. It says, therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. This is like so powerful to me because it's like Mary's at that moment, just like the, you know, the lady that I was talking about who's like, where's your effing God now, right? This is like Mary was like, where were you? You heard about this. Because remember in the story, he heard about Lazarus being sick and he doesn't come. He waits another two days. Where were you? Have you ever been in a moment of grief where you just look at it and you're like, God, where were you? Why weren't you there for me? Why didn't you do for me what you did for so-and-so? God, where? What, what's, what happened? Didn't you promise? Didn't you say you would do this? Aren't you supposed to be there for me? Aren't you a loving father? Have we ever had those times of doubt in our moment of grief? Because the God that we thought would be there wasn't there. And now we're saying, where are you? And we are hurting deeply inside because of that. And I love Jesus' response. Instead of giving the silver lining, you know what Jesus does? He, he experiences her grief with her and he weeps. Not just like a short little tear and saying, oh, okay, now get out of my way. No, it's like there, he takes the time to enter into her pain, to enter into her grief, and he weeps with her. This is what what it really means to be compassionate. This is what it really means to be empathetic. This is what we really need when we're going through our grief. We don't need to sit there, like, you know, and someone says, well, where was God? It's not like, well, let's uh, just step back. Let me show you a couple of scripture verses that let you know that God was there. They don't need a theology lesson at that point. Not there's anything wrong with theology. <laughs> That's not what we need at that moment. What we need at that moment when we're going through that is just someone to listen and someone to just cry with us. What a wonderful response. It's perfect because what you're showing that person and what we're experiencing at that moment, at our lowest point, there is another human being that is standing there saying, I love you and I'm I'm going to weep with you because I don't have the answers any more than you do. I'm just going to love you right where you're at. I'm just going to experience this with you because, man, this stinks. What you're going through really is awful. That's okay, because we're there with them. One of the things that we need more than anything else is just that loving connection from other people. You know, it's one thing for us to say, God loves you. It's a whole different thing for us to say, I love you. It's one thing to say, God is here with you. It's a whole other thing to say, I'm here with you. Because yes, God's with us, but I'm here with you too. And now you have someone in the flesh that loves you and is compassionate towards you and cares for you. Yes, Jesus ended up raising 
Lazarus from the dead. I also wanted to say this. It's not wrong to um, praise God in the storm. I don't want to, I, I kind of left that hanging there. It's good. If you can praise God in your storms, then absolutely do that. I just don't want to make you feel like there's pressure to do that whenever you really just need to be raw and honest and open with God. In Romans, there's one other verse that I wanted to get to, and it's uh, found in Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 15. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. mourn with those who mourn. It's okay for us to just be with each other and say, it's okay to not be okay and I'm here with you. I'm here with you and I'm not okay with you. And I'm gonna just be here. And I'm going to just tell you it's okay to be right where you're at. It's okay for you to share your pain with me. I'm not gonna try to fix it, but I am going to love you through it. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.